0: Dedicated to Henry Farman. In the year of the primal court, from the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and horse, and man was the lord of the earth. He made him an hollow skin from the heart of an early tree. He compassed the earth therein, and man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for fire, he drove the celestial team, and man was the
1: I am the science, fiction. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, Vietnam, or wherever I may find you, whatever city, wherever, what country, what continent, etc., etc. This is Alan Averill, this is Agitators Anonymous, I am the science. This is episode 85, episode 85 of Agitators Anonymous, straight out of the gate, if you like the podcast, go over to Patreon.com/slash Alan Averill, and there are other podcasts, rehearsals, bits of music, all sorts of other stuff. There are no tears from as little as a dollar a month. Help a brother out, etc., etc. Whatever that accent was, I do not know, and I sincerely apologise. Um, follow me on Nemthiango underscore Primordial on Instagram. There's Primordial underscore Official if you want some more info about the band. Gigs, tickets, all those kind of things. Well, for the moment, they're just projections into next year. Posters, which you can look at. If you like the podcast also, maybe give it a review. Give it a rating. It's at the bottom of your podcast. bloody bloody blah blah Give it a few stars. Give it one star. Give it five stars. I would prefer if you gave it five. The algorithm will push my whatever, my buttons. All that kind of thing. So, episode 85. Before we start, the podcast is sponsored by MetalBlade.com. Use the promo code Podcast In North America, you can get 10% off your shipping. And www.eisenton.de in Europe.com. In America, that's Eisenwald Records. Nodes of interesting... Pagan, Black, Post, etc, etc. Metal, use the same promo code and you will also get free shipping. The details are underneath and they should be in the podcast description. They should be in the YouTube description. First of all, thank you for so many people um, tagging me in their top five podcasts of the year. It makes things a little bit easier. It somehow gives things a little bit more validation to know you were not just shouting out there into the void like a madman. Well, you are, but that some people are accepting the transmissions and that they've meant um, a little bit to some people, that they've helped people out, that they have opened a couple of eyes, that they have made a few people question or made a couple of people dislike me even more than they did before all of the emergency started well here I am I am the science fiction and here I am crossing state lines with my A or 15 of razor sharp wit my friends so last week's podcast was greeted with well open arms or ears by I would say 95% of you all many thanks um, and I think it was a genuine question is Western democracy under threat? I don't know. Other metal podcasts that are handling the same subject matter. um. But thank you all for embracing the question, or at least thinking about it for the most part, with a couple of exceptions. Maybe it really means I can push the ante a little and embrace some more difficult conversations and be a little bit more daring in what we are discussing. Because at the beginning of a podcast, you have to feel out your audience, you have to create an audience... Um, And therefore, I don't want to be captive to the um, ideas that my audience has. And as much as I know them or may pretend to know them, I guess I don't. But having some difficult conversations is part of the title, Agitators Anonymous, right? Um, After all, having sung about the fall of nations, the eclipsing of liberty... Um, For several decades, amongst, of course, many other things, I surely have to grasp the baton and run with some difficult conversations or grasp the hand of that leper and get leprosy myself or whatever other um, cumbersome analogy you want to use. Grasp the nettle, etc., etc. Are there other metal podcasts out there standing up for free speech, discussing liberty, politics, trying to make a stand for the need to question, for scepticism, Independent thought. Well, there are a few, of course. And next week, there will be a conversation with Jackie from Into the Necrosphere, um, who I appeared on his podcast a couple of months ago, and it was a very thought provoking interview. Um, And so you can expect that the week after. So maybe go over to my YouTube channel, just search Alan Averill, and you can join that to look at our ugly mugs, discussing those things and check out my new pair of glasses. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, the joys of middle age. Of course, there is some personal jeopardy here. Um, And, of course, saying exactly, you know, what do they say? Wise man says all he thinks, fool thinks. No, see, I got that wrong. So, I'm obviously a fool. (laughs) Well, listen, there is some personal jeopardy, of course, involved in being outspoken. But I have a feeling that now is the time to try and at least reach out into that um, existential void and preach the gospel of skepticism, preach the gospel of, well, the free speech, of independent thought. So to my fellow independent thought thinkers, well, we try, we try, we try. Nothing is absolute, nothing is absolute. Of course, there were some people who pushed back against what I was saying or what I was hypothesizing, uh, what I was considering, what I was thinking about, what I was rambling across. Of course, completely, in my opinion, missing the point that, as I say constantly, the truth will reside in the grey area. Um, I'm not bolted on to the absolutes of any argument from either side, but the podcast is called Agitators Anonymous. And so the clue is in the name. But let's be clear, and let's be clear, if you use the words conspiracy and tinfoil hat, Out of the gate, to me, you've lost the argument. What you've done is clearly marked yourself out to me, as someone who hasn't bothered to think, cannot debate, and is more interested in shutting people down for who you have decided they are. Um, I got called a conspiracy theorist from a few people after the last episode, from people who willingly then admitted they hadn't really listened to the podcast. Um, And they just threw out an opinion out there, they just didn't like the cut of my jib. And listen, that's fine. In the dark night of the soul, sometimes I don't like the cut of my own jib. And that's fair enough. Like I said, the truth is the grey area. But these topics, these subjects, are the things that interest me. And if you're along for the ride, then they interest you as well. Um, you know, to not think about them. Maybe you want an anodyne safe podcast, which doesn't threaten or question. But... Calling people those things, it's just really easy, low-hanging, anti-intellectual fruit to level things like that against them. I mean, look, the lab leak hypothesis was called a conspiracy theory 18 months ago and in fact would have had you banned from most social media platforms from mentioning it. And now, well, look, look at Fauci testifying to Congress. It's widely accepted, quietly, as the truth. Shuffle along, move along, nothing to see here. Um, of course I'm not saying the earth is flat there are genuine conspiracy theorists of course there are they're entitled to those opinions Um, which is you know but calling people that lining them up alongside those people calling them um, this phobia or this isium or that idiot or this that the other or that denier which takes on a slightly darker tone is just anti-intellectual low-hanging fruit um for people who just don't want to bother to argue a debate. So, they want to line you up, all of you flat earthers together. But listen, if you think that state, media, tech and pharma are benign and have your best interests at heart, good luck to you and all who sail in you. Once upon a time, an EU-wide digital passport was dismissed as conspiracy. In fact, it was dismissed as an affront to civil liberties. And yet here we are. Is the Chinese social currency system a conspiracy? Is it a Black Mirror episode? No, it's happening right now. Somewhere in China, someone's trying to board a train and they've been denied access to said train because of, who knows, antisocial behaviour. Dissent. It is happening right now. Ignorance is bliss, my friends, apparently. um, I don't want to... Well, look, I'm not here to preach, but if you don't want to face the dark side, that's no problem. I get it. But don't tell me it doesn't exist because history is on my side. So I recommend read a book. Read a history book. Speaking of, and speaking of, um, I suppose, uh, conspiracy theories or what was once called, I just finished the book Chaos by uh, Tom O'Neill, I think his name is, about MK Ultra and the 1960s, Charles Manson, The Family, Mind Control, the Sharon Tate murders. Absolutely fascinating. I totally recommend this. It's called Chaos. Um, really, really fascinating look into the 60s and how the CIA used acid and other drugs to try and manipulate people, um, create blank slate killers to erase people's memories. It's absolutely fascinating. And of course, again, Subject matter that once upon a time would have resided in the, um, I suppose, you know, would have been on the shelf called conspiracy theories. And was Jack Ruby a blank slate killer, um, you know, who was simply sent like a drone out there to kill Oswald after the murder of JFK? Yeah, very, very interesting, fascinating look into 1960s counterculture and um, how... Agents of the state and institutions of the state sought to gain some control over it. And I return to my previous comment. If you think that that um, is something that could not exist, well, then you don't really understand. Well, you just don't understand. However, I totally recommend it. Chaos. So is the title inflammatory? Aren't all the titles inflammatory now? That's how you get clicks, don't you know, my friends? So let's take a ramble across a couple of ideas. The title... Since when did musicians support the establishment? That's the kind of theme. That's what I'm going to mull over for the next 20, 30 minutes, I suppose. Debate internally what that means in relationship, I suppose, to the situation that we're in, how different people have reacted to it. Look at a couple of headlines and just consider, try and consider. It's not... As I said, um, you know, my mission statement against this or that or the other. But I think it's worth a discussion. And was prompted by a message somebody sent me um, to the Agitators Anonymous, uh, tiny little Facebook page, which was just kind of like wondering, how did all these musicians, especially in metal, which was theoretically supposed to be about rebellion, end up somehow on the side of not questioning the narrative? Well, I mean, is that how they see it. Let's have a little dig into it. Um, Like I said, I got a few messages after last week's podcast, mainly in support, and quite a lot of them saying things along the lines of thanks for speaking out or trying to speak to truth, as they say, or at least trying to question what is going on. Most metal musicians we see promoting the mainstream media agenda or it would seem supporting Big Pharma, which I suppose fundamentally means pro-vaccination which you know is up to those people I and mean, in theory nothing wrong with that. My issues as I've told again and again on the podcast is about the structure um, of what I would perceive as coercion that surrounds it and the idea that that coercion is um, a risk reward analysis based on your freedoms as an individual. So it's a bit more complicated. And that's, of course, where things fall down because nobody really wants a complicated argument. But I thought I'd examine that from a few different angles. Um, being pro-vax, or at least it would appear that way, I've been critical on the podcast before, I said, of musicians um, who I would see as maybe virtue signaling by posting about getting jabbed. Um, this kind of thing is is not for me. Um, I think what is essentially a personal medical decision should be kept. To that, it strikes me as well. It's something personal. Um, I made my own decisions on my own terms, um, and this was up to me. And if I wish to discuss it, then I would discuss it. But I've often felt that in the modern age, living one's life kind of a bit like an open wound, or at least always doing your dirty linen in public, or whatever, was something that you know your um, people would have always kind of in the past warned you against living your life quite so out in the open. And so therefore, medical decisions, which this is, um, are, I would think, something best kept to your private realm. But I do understand that the way modern social media has worked, the way it has altered people, is that there is very little that is private anymore. Um, So do I ask others to think the same way as me about it? Certainly not. And I think that some people do it with, um, you know, genuine altruism at the heart of their um, posts. And then others do it most definitely for virtue virtue signalling points. Um, Of course, the podcast represents my views. What I would hope is the sceptical voice trying to hold the line with some rationality. um, And with my own small voice, whatever that is, trying to hold power to account. So is it really virtue signalling? I sort of feel it is, I get the impulse, don't get me wrong. Um, You know, I get that impulse, the feeling if we all pull together and get the vaccine and then the third booster and then and as you have heard me say, I feel we are on some endless treadmill after that. Um, Again, I may be proved wrong um, and people have have said to me recently, oh, you know, in the end of the Spanish flu, what there was was less virulent variations and um, it just sort of passed into insignificance. Now, I I would take issue with this comparison because um, there's not an awful lot written about the Spanish flu in 1916, 17, 18. There isn't medical records. There isn't the kind of um, availability of um, analysis that we could gather data from in relation to now. And so using it as a comparison, when... There isn't also the structure, the huge financial structure of big pharma or um, the agents and institutions of state, which, let's be honest, were picking themselves up off the ground after the First World War. Um, and so the the putsch, let's call it that, for um, power was not quite the same. So using it as an example, I think in relation to how a virus works, I can understand that. But I think the structures of incentivization are different very very different now and like I said and I've said before dismantling those because there is no real let's say there is no threat anymore I don't think those things get dismantled because there's simply too much economics at stake etc. Anyway um, but I can see how many people um, they, they, they cling to uh, the belief that it will end that big farmers intrusion into their lives will cease And like I said, personally, I think this is incredibly naive. I understand the will to want shows to come back and the hope that if we follow the path set out by State and Pharma, things will go back to normal. Shows will come back as we knew. Tours can start rolling properly again and we can put this behind us. And believe me, I want that um, as much as the next person. And of course, you know, my view of the world dovetails. Um, with my view of the world for the last 20, 25 years. It's not that I began to think through this dark uh, prism only because of the pandemic. I've always kind of thought about things like this. That's just my mental predilection. It's how I'm wired up. I'm not really interested in the sunny side up thinking. And of course, so, as I said, the podcast is called Agitators Anonymous. It's not called Pleasant thoughts. Um, You know, happy endings, perhaps. Well, that was my previous business. Anyway, so do I blame musicians for this? Um, No, of course not. Personally, I would be more circumspect, and I am. The move to live one's life, as I said, like an open wound, is in constant updates on every moment of every day, is indeed an opioid in itself, and addictive. But there are some things I think we should keep for ourselves. And yes, we all want it to go back to normal. But do we sacrifice our skepticism for this, for what we perceive as a greater good? Um, I, of course, have to concede not everyone is as negative as me, as I said, or skeptical, as they would say, or they would say, cynical. And I think, but there's a very big difference between skepticism and cynicism. And I also understand some of it is a defense mechanism. If you were to, de- if you um, are to deconstruct your world view to be as potentially, well, some would say, bleak as mine. Um, can, which mind can seem at times? How do you get up to go to work? Um, how do you make your music? What keeps you going? You need some positivity. This I totally understand. As my and as my some of my oldest friends have said to me, Alan, I have to have faith in some of these institutions. If I have no faith, I can't get up in the morning and bring the kids to school, and that is perfectly understandable. And I have no issue with that. But to trade this. To believe that within the profit margins of big pharma lies your freedom, to me, seems incredibly naive. Now, of course, as I've said many times in the podcast, I am willing to be, I wish to be wrong. I wish to be an object of ridicule in nine months and people to go, ah, come on, Alan, see, you lost your mind. And I would hold my hands up and go, yeah, I did. You're right. But I'm very happy to be wrong. I'm very happy for this to completely retreat into the rearview mirror and people to get their freedoms and liberties back. But to believe that the political class really have your best interest at heart would seem to me to not only be naive but foolhardy. And I say it often, but I feel I have the weight of history on my side. They will send your sons and daughters to die in foreign lands for wars they did not know in the blink of an eye. We know this that all of a sudden they suspend our democratic system purely to, well, as they say, save lives. Um, And that is what is used as the um, carrot and stick, I suppose. It seems incredulous to me as, of course, in our, well, I would call it COVID hysteria, we fail to see plenty of people are dying from other things and will die from many more things because of lockdown and the pandemic. I read that there are, in the UK alone, an estimate of 750,000 people who have not had their screenings, their cancer checks, their whatever, um, and people will die from this. Will more people die from that in the long run than died from or with, which are two different things, which I won't get into now, COVID? Listen, you can do some math or you maybe just do some mental arithmetic about that and consider the implications of Um, holding society at bay, such as restrictions do. Or maybe, or maybe, metal, heavy metal, as a microcosm of society, is just reflecting the percentages of most people. The majority of people, it would seem, still trust the state and government and believe things will go back to normal and we all just have to knuckle down and do what we can. No, I would say this section of society also either doesn't want to prick that bubble with some uncomfortable truths Or maybe their lives haven't changed that much. Who knows? But was metal always this conformist in its world view? It's hard to say. It's strange when you take metal subject matter, rebellion on a simple level. What you find when you scrape beneath the surface seems to be a great well, at least it would seem to be, of conformity. I could be wrong. It could just be fear, um, which somehow looks or sometimes looks like the same thing. I've long contended that um, the 90s, the post fall of the Berlin Wall, Europe enjoyed, um, of course, unless you lived in the Balkans, um, an era of prosperity across the Eurozone. um, My own country gave birth to the Celtic Tiger, who went from being, in reality, a second world economy that saw its population decrease from 1845 to 1979, a massive emigration, little or no hope for young people to one of the most vibrant economies in the world. Um, and, you know, as I said, Ireland, let's say between 1920 and as I understand it, 19 let's say seventy-five, had less economic growth than most countries behind the Iron Curtain. Maybe that's worth a podcast on its own some other time. And it went from that to being one of the top economies of the world. And I think that... Um, across Europe there was a birth an emergent middle class and as I said across across this the the West a new middle class emerged now I contend one of the factors of the pandemic on um, the factors of the pandemic right now is a move to attempt to squash this middle class now an attempt by who remains to be seen or is it just a consequence to make them into a new digital class or you know, to fail and drop down into a sort of a new working jobless class. They call it, some people are calling it a form of techno-feudalism, which sounds like a pretty good name for a band, actually. Um, Techno-feudalism, techno-feudalism, if you wish. That's maybe for another podcast. And what do I mean by that? Well, I suppose you can see this replicated in the closure of small businesses that um, lockdown has caused. These were middle-class concerns that have just been um, closed. And who swoops in to take this? Well, it's, it's multinationals, isn't it? It's bigger business, it's, it's property conglomerates, it's transnational multinational corporations. But within this movement, people's musical tastes altered. I'm talking 1990s here, middle of the 90s. So let's take metal. Um, the angry, nascent snarl of a James Heffield singing Damage Incorporated or the bite of Roar Region Thrash. Um, you know, which had an increasingly social edge as we get to the end of the 80s, or crossover, hardcore, or thrash. Whatever angry slab of vinyl you choose, in 1985, 86, 87, 88, there's a lot of very angry metal out there, and it is the most popular. Yet, in 1998, it's been replaced by the moronic bro-dude mantra, the low-water mark. Um, the low IQ mark of um, rap rock and new metal on the one hand, and the smothering embrace of velvet-caped, new rock-booted, female-fronted operatic metal on the other, the two absolute nadirs of heavy metal. We reached our bloated middle-class low-water marks right there, and there is no exception to that argument in my true heavy metal opinion. And the new, with the new heavy metal middle class lapping lapping it up like the cats that got the cream. There's a lot to unpack in that paragraph. I think maybe I've over-egged it in my brain. But like I said, I'm somewhat insane in the membrane. Yep, there you go. Um, What can we say? The dog-eat-dog sort of fight and anger of 80s metal, punk, hardcore and thrash replaced by symphonic top-hatted black metal light or full-bloused hair-farming power metal. And I think that, in its own weird, strange way, reflected the way society had gone. Where did the anger go? Am I reading it? Am I reading too much into all of it by finding this music inherently conformist? Because that was the new audience. Maybe that was the new inference. That was just the new style. And across Europe, watching um, Vox Pops of people interviewed... It increasingly seems like the parents of those very same nouveau rich who are ranting and raving about, or who are ranting and raving about locking up the unvaccinated, putting them in camps, taking away people's freedoms. No real thought. I made a rather loose connection there. What I was trying to say is across Europe now, you go and you watch some Vox Pops, you know, um, some video interviews with people on the streets. And they're discussing, you know, creating... You know that we need to create internment camps for people. What are you really saying? Um, a moment of introspection to consider what this could really mean, looking back at Europe's dark history, and that's a dark history of putting people in camps. What shadow does that cast over everything? And people are lacking, in my opinion, the circumspection to really consider what they are implying when they're talking about those things. Um, is this really what they are considering, and also let me say, just as an observation, I read that three percent of Africa is vaccinated by all accounts, which makes 97 percent of Africa not vaccinated. So, are the same people, um, you know, spewing out anti vaccination or the rhetoric against the unvaccinated across Europe? The politicians are doing the same, um, calling for you know this restriction, that restriction. Are they also saying this about Africa, the developing world? Surely. That is somehow inherently racist or is it simply because um, Big Pharma's profit margin is about selling the drugs to the West where there is money, where there is that rather indulged, pampered and safe middle class? Hmm. I don't know. Is that a stretch? Is that a stretch? Well, certainly placing people in camps, I don't know. That certainly was never the answer. Right. Right. To say that a new generation, and like like I said, this podcast is a sort of a ramble across some ideas. I might look back on it and a few months ago, do you know what? That was an overstretch and maybe that was bullshit, um, which I am not afraid to do. To think across, think across, to think through some ideas and be willing to make some overstretches. Because you never know, you might get some interesting trains of thought in between anyway. To say that a new generation of musicians perhaps just reflect the middle-class views of a section of modern society across the board only in microcosm could well be true. And, you know, punk rock, I'm also looking at you. Um, what would seem like a deep and guilty silence is what's happening. Punk rock defending Big Pharma. Punk rock defending the state. If I'm being charitable, it feels like they, along with many people, aren't sure who to blame. Um, they're sitting on their hands For too long, we've been only seeing ourselves in the fight. I suppose that's the narcissistic urge of social media. The cause has to have some, as I said, narcissistic value, which is why it feels to me so many people who ranted and raved, for example, about social justice causes now seem so quiet when it comes to their own freedom. And let's be clear, the freedom potentially of their children. And why is that? Um... Well, it's complicated, isn't it? Is it as simple as I stated the last time that if Trump had come out pro-lockdown in the beginning, they would have been set off against lockdown and still be on that trajectory? I don't think you can underestimate how much Trump broke people's brains or is it that the pyjama party don't mind staying at home fighting the good fight from behind a screen? Maybe they, their generation um, across the EU don't really have children, so they aren't yet conservatives. An interesting theory right there. Or maybe the cause of social justice means they are most likely, as I said, white, middle-class Westerners um, and they don't see themselves as having any skin in the game when it comes to questions about liberty and freedom. In fact, there is a masochistic urge to hand it over as somehow we deserve it. And it's strange. And I can say to these people, for example, healthcare for all, right? I mean, as someone who supports old left causes... Um, and I mean that. I'm behind this. Healthcare for all. I'm not creating a two-tier health system. And let's be clear, healthcare is not a socialist creation, Mr Bismarck. Um, they say yes. They say yes. I say, OK. Opioids killed X many people, mainly because you have no access to healthcare. OK. Somebody will say, yes, I'm behind you in that theory. OK. Now... Because people didn't have access to the healthcare, they took opioids in place of, let's say, operations or many other states, physical states, mental states. Who made the opioids? Of course, Big Pharma. Who pushed and prescribed them? Big Pharma. Okay, and who are you supporting by virtue signaling over vaccination, for example? Well, it's Big Pharma, right? And then you list off the profit margins of some of these companies, and people look at me and squint. And ask me, am I anti-vax? And I go, no, that was not the discussion. The discussion was merely about, for example, the opioid crisis, who caused it, um, how we somehow have come to attach our um, definitions of liberty and freedom to companies that certainly don't have your best interest in heart. I don't believe that. None. I'm not talking about the people, of course, who actually create a vaccine that saves lives but I'm talking once again about the structure that surrounds it they are two different things and if you're unwilling to make that separation I can't really help you and you can call me whatever name you want but magazines you know metal magazines they won't touch they don't seem to want to touch the narrative they don't want to discuss what might or not be happening which I can also understand like I said it's a bit of a ramble most of it is beyond our understanding on some level and this is fair enough Um, we're you know So let's just take a look at a couple of headlines to maybe um, illustrate part of what I mean. Um, Al Jurgensen blasts anti-vaxxers. Just go get your damn vaccine. Al Jurgensen, haven't you spent your whole life being opposed to um, the state, being opposed to institutions, the state being opposed to power, being opposed to these kind of things, and now you're telling people to do this? I mean, am I missing something about... Uh, all the things you've been singing about for the last while, or is it simply just too complicated to put both sides? I'm trying to, you know, provide maybe some of the nuance or context that maybe, uh, I don't know, isn't missing, but certainly seems strange that somebody who's made a living off being um, singing ag- about being, you know, holding power to account um, is now telling, you know, as I said, blasts! Of course, we have to understand that the nature of modern social media is that you have to make an extreme title to gay clicks, And so there's also things here which are, um, you know, inflating the whole argument. Um, Trivium's Matt Heafy, getting COVID-19 vaccine is not a political decision. Yeah. Well, I would agree with that, Mr. Matt Heafy. I think that's a fairly reasoned and reasonable decision. You're right, it is um, a medical decision and is up to you how you choose to do that. Hailstorms, Lizzie Hale, getting COVID 19 means you are being a responsible adult. Okay. Okay. Um, How do you feel about (laughs) vaccinating small children is maybe beyond the scope of that article. Um, Exodus, is, and this is one of the most dumb ones, Exodus, Gary Holt blasts anti-vaxxers. Some people are more willing to take a deworming agent than the vaccine. And, you know, this would suggest to me that Mr. Holt is either having a go at somebody in his own band or he just doesn't like Joe Rogan and is on the side of Don Lemon, which I don't think that's the right side to be on because what he's talking about is ivermectin. And just with a small little bit of research, you can reveal it to be an anti-malarial um, you know, Jenge fever, viral drug administered hundreds of millions of times in Africa. And as I understand, the inventor uh, won some form of Nobel Prize. Um, it just doesn't have a patent, so therefore isn't really worth anything to the industry. And I think that that's a fairly logical conclusion. So his statement is pretty fucking stupid, to be honest. Um, and I think that, you know, four minutes, five minutes of introspection and a little... Thought about the other side of the argument, but, you know, there we go. Um, Behemoth Snurgle gets booster shot, blasts COVIDiots. Okay, um, full disclosure, Adam is a friend of mine and I think that they've made a story out of an Instagram post. Now, as I said, I don't agree with, um, you know, uh, documenting every moment one is alive and I think the nuance to, for example, Adam's story is that uh, modern medicine saved his life. So that is the context for his decisions, um, you know, or the way he looks at modern medicine. And that's fine. But the idea that um, we can put be kind and also call people covidiots in the same post, I would have something of an issue with that. As I think it just adds to the sense of divide and conquer, that is exactly what institutions of state and power are attempting to foist upon society, that we view each other as. The enemy that we sort of mentally balkanize these things. Kiss Gene Simmons calls on vaccinated people delusional and the enemy. Well, yeah. All right. OK. I mean, that sort of speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Um, and of course, you know, of course, uh, in relation to this argument, there is the fringe of the argument um, who I would probably say, yeah, yeah, you, 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 you have a point as well. But when did rock music and metal seemingly, I mean, am I wrong in saying that somehow it seems that um, many people across the, the underground, across the metal scene, across punk rock scene, seem to be falling into the uh, camp of defending a certain side of the narrative or at the very least um, shelving some of the, I would have thought, rational skepticism that should be involved in singing about rebellion that won't inform your lyric writing, your opinion of the world in that you've spent however long trying to hold power to account or as I, you know, maybe I'm naive in that sense. Um, but we can see like, you know, the, the 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 lobbying of government on behalf of the arts entertainment um, did the arts, did the entertainment arts sector um, industry do enough did they lobby the government in Ireland? Certainly tons of money was poured into the arts, but where did it all go? Certainly wasn't for the live music industry. And I think this is across the board probably what the underlying narrative is. Um, if you've been propaganda-ized for the last 22, 23 months um, and you want your sector to return, then you're more or less willing to accept... Um, Anything, And that, I think, is the carrot and the stick motive of these structures. I would consider them coercion. Other people may call them common sense. I actually think they can probably be construed as the same thing. And that's one of the things that I think has defined the last 23 months, the idea that um, you can have a cognitive dissonance. And that's what I've been trying to say, is that one can um, take the vaccine, but question the structures around it. One can be both things. And that's what I've been trying to do with the podcast is um, inhabit the gray area between two points and try and hold the line. But it really made me wonder, as I said, when I just keep getting stories sent to me by people going, is this really, like, is is the whole metal scene somehow, um, you know, standing up for these st- structures of big pharma? Now, of course, if you're on a certain side of the fence, you get played by your algorithm. And so therefore, like I said, this entire podcast may turn out to be a moot point. I don't think so. But, you know, um, but people are holding their breath and they want their livelihoods to return. Um, And how did it be that, you know, um, that you end up being called anti this or anti that because you question the motives of huge transnational companies with a long history of not giving a shit about your health? How did that happen that people were so readily able to shelve all their sceptical thinking? That's what I've been trying to get to the bottom of. And does it have anything to do with, um, you know, like middle class concerns, you know, wealthy, rich nations across Europe who seem to be, we seem to notice that the countries struggling the most with returning freedoms and civil liberties are those indulged, Anglosphere-rich, central, northern European countries, with the exception of some of Scandinavia. They seem to be struggling the most with understanding... Um, liberty, freedom, civil liberties all these kind of things and keep reaching for the restriction book now is this because society is so rich it's so indulged that um, somehow it naively thinks that creating a risk averse society um, is within its grasp but how quickly on a dime countries that were built on democratic traditions seem to have turned their back on it Um, Australia, New Zealand, Canada some of the things happening there are crazy and they certainly are not conspiracy theory. I see them in my own country. Um, and so I think it's because the mainstream media did a very good job of telling them that I'm um, telling people that anybody, um, you know, that anyone who did question was, well, simply put, a form of Nazi. A Nazi for questioning the motives of the very same, very same state you were questioning a month before the pandemic, if you think about it. Um, you know, the year previous to the pandemic, people would have been questioning the motives of the state for all sorts of different things, the motives of many different things. Um, the, the papers every day would be filled with different stories about this, that and the other motives. And we were encouraged then to just um, get behind a certain team. And that was it. And if you stepped out of the binary choice of being good or evil, you got called this or that or the other. And to me, it just made never made any sense. And like I said, I've never said that any of the arguments are 100% either way. They're neither black nor white. They're not binary. They're not good or evil. Um, and of course, someone somewhere with no doubt altruistic intentions invented or created this vaccine. But to say we can't criticize or question the structure around it, this to me is clearly some form of collective madness but then again maybe it just filters out into all of the things that we understand about human nature if we were really to dig down into it Um, and that an awful lot of this is largely an attempt at sense-making nonsense um but creating a risk-averse society which we all know uh, is impossible and this seems to be the goal the global goal of certain people and included in that risk is everything from hate speech to all the phobias and isms, that being safe, and this is something that I think is really important to consider, being safe is now a state of mind that we've handed over to Tech and State, and they have gleefully accepted the challenge. And so um, being kept safe is now uh, the dominant narrative over everything. It's the reason for restricting freedoms of movement. It's restrictions on liberty, um, on curtailing culture, social society, art, travel, um, tourism, um, entertainment. Everything is now being curtailed under the rubric, um, the doctrine handed down from on high, the I am the science doctrine of being kept safe. And once you've been told so many times that that is the truth, well then you will seem to be many people seem to be welcoming the state literally into their homes to tuck them in at night, um, giving them a sense of well-being. But is this really what society should be? A completely risk-averse you know a risk-averse bubble that we live in? It would seem to me to be at least that that is not living. But being safe is as I said a state of mind um, and the the state will keep us safe from harmful words, from harmful actions, from personalities that we view as offensive, from words that hurt, from everything, and so that is really maybe what is the underlying motive here. The underlying narrative, um, is is metal seeming conformity to this narrative of safety, uh, part of something greater, part of this, um emergent middle class environment a sort of post 1980s early 1990s um, new emergent middle class uh, movement I think you could justifiably say that it is and the music that became popular reflected that um, reflected that and you know I don't discount myself as having benefited greatly I suppose from my own family having climbed up from out of Um, their working class roots to being what would be considered middle class. Um, I'm not denying that for a second, but merely observing that it would seem that the country is coping the least well with Europe's democratic traditions um, right now are the ones that escaped that trap the best. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But certainly... There's something to it that so many metal, um, so much of modern, so much of metal over the last year or two seems to be um, towing the line of the narrative. I, for one, certainly am not. You may call me foolhardy, but anyway. Agitators Anonymous, episode 80 something or other. I am the science fiction. Don't take me too seriously, after all, I'm just a singer in a heavy metal band, and that was a complete rambling, um, unfiltered stream of consciousness. And you may call me a fool for it if you wish, that is no problem.
0: Hold up!